The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. We're going to get right into it this week as I'm currently on vacation when you're listening to this, so I am recording this intro in advance, which I usually don't do, but classes are starting up August 29th or 30th, I believe, and I'm moving into my new house in Ann Arbor that weekend right before, so I'm really excited about fall semester and in upcoming episodes, you're going to get a breakdown of what D2 fall is like and my classes that I'm taking taking, how things are going, but for now, this week's episode is actually with a University of Michigan Dental School grad, Dr. Wasim, and we talk all about private practice, general dentistry, and really, really great tips to transitioning into working, into ownership, and different ways that you can be successful in different ways that people just don't tell you about, I guess. That's what I've my biggest takeaway from this episode was there were so many things that I'd always been wondering, how does it work? How do you negotiate with insurance companies, for example? And that's the kind of things that we talk about in this episode. So I hope you all enjoy and let's get right into that conversation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. So we have another guest here today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, my name is uh, Dr. Wasim Alawadi. I graduated from the University of Michigan in 2018. Awesome. So right now you're practicing as a general dentist? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Yep. How has that been? Um, it has its ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things as a general dentist that you have to do, you know, that you have to know how to do um, in comparison to uh, being a specialist. I mean, there's, of course, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do as a specialist, but it's, there's a big wide range as a general dentist. And it's kind of what you want to be good at and what you want to concentrate on. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it, it has ups and downs. Some days you feel like a king and or a queen, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then some days you just, uh, you know, you're, you got to work on some things. When did you open up your practice after graduating in 2018? So I practiced as an associate for, I want to say about a year, give or take. And then I opened up my practice in August of 2019. Okay. So fairly recently considering the like little bit of shutdown and everything weird that's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that was definitely a a big uh headache you know yeah to, to open through when you're just starting out but uh, we, we got through it it's okay did you have any good guidance from anything specific when you were starting up your practice or did you just pick up 
information from all different sources? So honestly, I, I have a really good group that we've been kind of best friends since uh, dental school. And uh, we all pretty much opened up our own offices. I want to say a year or two years right out of school. Um, we kind of helped each other out. You know, the first person that opened an office, I want to say it was Dr. Mahmoud Farhat and my, Dr. Mike Sessi. And uh, they went through the process and then they kind of helped me through the process. So it, it, it was really just us kind of, you know, bouncing off ideas and, and uh, going for it. That's awesome. So kind of like a trickle down effect, like someone helps you, you're helping someone yep, else. Yep. Okay. And whatever. And we are still to this day, honestly, we, you know, something happens, like we ask each other questions. I mean, if their office manager doesn't know something or has a question, they, they call mine or, you know, vice versa, where mine doesn't know something. We all stay in contact with each other and, and kind of help each other out through the process. And how big is your office right now? So right now, currently, I have seven working ops. Um, I work out of, you know, I, I have a lot of space. I want to grow into my space. It's just uh, uh, me, uh, two assistants, and I have one hygienist and two front desk. So, uh, but I am planning on growing the office, obviously, into another dentist and another couple of hygienists. Uh, but when I bought the practice, it was it had the space, uh, and that's what I really liked about it. Are there was it like already a dental space, and you just kind of tweaked yeah. it a little bit? Okay. So it, it was already an office. Uh, they were they were a busy. Uh, I want to say like Medicaid office, so they had they used the space. Uh, when I got the office, I kind of slowed down on a lot of Medicaid. Um, so we. Uh, pretty much, you know, try to increase our uh, PPO insurance and slow down our Medicaid insurance. And um, I didn't, I don't have to use every operatory, but hopefully in the future, that was kind of the plan and, and buying the practice is being able to grow it without having to put, you know, more, more money into growing it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is there Anything that comes to mind for kind of like a long-term goal and then a short-term goal in terms of your practice? Well, my short-term goal is, um, you know, um, honestly, you know, finding good people to work. That's, that's, that's the, the short-term goal right now. Everybody's having a hard mm -hmm. time finding people to work. Not a lot of people want to. Um, and, um, you know, going through, you know, going through the practice and, and kind of learning as I go. Um, it's still a learning process. Um, Long-term goal, I kind of went into it a little bit. I do want to hire another associate and hopefully uh, grow my hygiene and um, get another hygienist and another assistant to kind of utilize all the space that I have. Is there like a certain type of procedure like are you doing mostly restorative cases or do you do some more specialty procedures so I do I do I'll do a lot of restorative that's kind of my main um, I am doing a good amount of endo now uh, in the beginning obviously when you're first coming out and that's kind of the the ups and downs right when you're first starting out if you go my route 
uh, where you buy your own office and you're the only dentist, um, you really don't have much of a support system and compared to say, for example, that someone gets out and just becomes an associate and works under a doctor that's had a ton of experience. So they go and try, you know, procedures out that they think they can do. And then if they get stuck, they have, you know, someone there to, to lean on. Um, and that sense in the beginning, I was, I was referring a good amount of um, procedures uh, just because I, I wasn't fully, fully comfortable with them yet. Um, but as time goes, obviously you get better and you practice more and, and you make sure that you're giving your patient, you know, the best treatment. Um, I, yeah, I, I want to say I do more restorative and I am doing more endo. So you, your basic bread and butter, I do love to do cosmetic cases and, but, um, those are definitely a little harder to build up, um, as a newer dentist. For just getting comfortable with some of these procedures that you're talking about, did you find that was mostly through practice and repetition as an associate or just taking more CE? So uh, honestly, I built a really good relationship with my endodontist. He was actually uh, a good friend of mine uh, that went through school. We kind of went through school together and he ended up opening up uh, a practice um, only eight minutes away from me. So, um, I, in the beginning, I did refer to him a lot and I still do refer a lot of endo. There's not a, not, I, if I feel like I can't do this to my best, or if I feel like, Hey, this is, there's something that doesn't look right with this tooth. I still refer it out to endo, but, um, I was on regular call with the endodontist and, um, he would, he would help me out. He would kind of walk me through things and, I've actually visited his office many times. I've watched him do endo and he was very comfortable in that sense where he says, Hey, look, I want you to do the root canals, but if you got, you know, retreats or something that has, you know, uh, I want to say roots that are, that are twisted or just anything that looks hard, you send it out to me and we'll talk through it and we'll go and we'll do it that way. I, I also did take a CE. I, in the beginning, it did help a little bit, but honestly, when it comes down to it, it's, it's, you, you got to put your hands on it. You got to be, you got to be in there. You got to watch someone do it. And, um, that's how you get better. Yeah. And I feel like endo is definitely one of the things that you don't get a ton yes, of practice in, in yes. dental school. Dental school, definitely. Um, with my experience, it did not, it, I was not comfortable. Um, doing root canals coming out of the de- uh, dental school. Definitely not. It definitely h- helped a lot that um, I was in private practice and I had kind of the guidance from my endodontist. And I also had some guidance from uh, some of the doctors that I worked with in that short year of uh, being an associate. Other than endo, is there something that comes to mind that took a lot of time and effort to improve after graduating? Yes. Um, I want to say cosmetic treatments and occlusion period. Um, You know, it's not a lot of people or a lot of dentists, you know, they they have this notion where I'm, you know what, I'm just going to be a cosmetic dentist when I get out, you know, but it's really, it's really not like that. Cosmetic treatment is very tedious and you have to kind of know what you're 
what you're doing uh, before you go in there and you can um, really kind of screw up someone's occlusion um, if you don't. So uh, that was kind of the bulk of my CE courses. I actually was also on a, in a cosmetic club, you know, and I, I talked to people. I talked to a lot of different dentists about cosmetic work. Um, we also, and our close um, friends um, group, um, we also talk about it as well. And we try to help each other out into, you know, doing better cosmetic procedures and also choosing the right labs and, and, and kind of going from there. That's great that you have such a good community to lean on each other and learn from each other. That is, I think, the most important, honestly, um, because we sometimes, you know, and we're all pretty much practicing on our own. Like I said, we don't have that um, that older experienced dentist that kind of is by your side and and to tell you. And even then, you know, dentistry has changed a lot of a lot of the the, the old school dentistry. Um, you might not even agree with when you come out of school and, and, you know, if some of the, you know, the seasoned dentists kind of tell you to do something, you're going to be like, well, uh, I learned differently, you know? So uh, it really helped that I did have such a good close group that, uh, that we were able to just kind of help each other out and, and lean on each other. In terms of the CE, you mentioned you did a lot for occlusion and for cosmetics. Is there any specific like CE companies that you recommend? I do definitely uh, recommend the Dawson courses. They do a really good job with kind of breaking down um, what you have to do before you get into a cosmetic treatment and how you can balance out the occlusion. Um, also, I follow uh, Dr. Appa and um, I did actually um, a couple of courses when I was in dental school with Dr. Appa. I think he does some in Florida and some in New York. Um, and right now um, he has some seminars. I've seen him uh, at the AACA, I'm sorry, AACD, and he was giving courses there too. So I try to always kind of keep up with him. He, he really, I love his cosmetic work uh, and uh it's always good to bounce back to on the COIS and the, and the Dawson courses. Those really do uh, help you understand um, uh, how people bite a lot better. Yeah, I've heard good things about all of those. So it's good to get your opinion on them as well. For general dentistry, did you always know you wanted to be a general? Did you consider specializing at all during dental school? Um. Yes and no. You know, I, I, well, I, I kind of started off, uh, started my life a little younger. So I got married at a very young age and I had my, my first daughter um, when I first started dental school. So my daughter was a month old when I started dental school and she was four by the time we were done. Um, I kind of, I wanted to specialize, uh, but I, I really liked general dentistry and I just wanted to kind of be a dentist already and, and kind of you know, get to work and, and uh, become a practice owner. So um, for, you know, to answer your question, yes, I, I, I always kind of knew that I wanted to be a general dentist. And you brought up your family, so that could be a good time to talk about balance and making everything work. Um, first, do you want to talk about how you managed having um, a child while you were in dental school? 
Yeah. So um, it's a funny story because actually my wife at the time, um, a year later, started PA school. Um, So she was in PA school and I was in dental school and my daughter was about a year old. Um, And at the time, it really worked uh, for us because I was more of a night kind of guy where I just studied late at night. I, that was just how I always was I'm not saying that's a good way, but you know, I, I studied late at night and she studied early in the morning. So I would just, you know, watch my daughter in the morning and, and be with her in the morning. And then when came nighttime, I, she would be with her and I would just study. And, and if she woke up early in the morning, I'd already be up by then. So it kind of worked out in a sense. It, it was rough, but I think because of my study style and the way my wife studied, um, it ended up working out. And now that you're working and you have your actual patients and all of that, but then you have to stick around and take care of the business end of things. How are you prioritizing like your personal life and taking care of yourself? Yeah, I, that's, that's still something I'm, I'm honestly trying to figure out, you know, I, I don't, I have two girls now, so uh, it it definitely, uh, it's definitely a balance, you know, you, you have to work and then you also, you know, you want to spend time with your family and, 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 and be there. Uh, But I'm still trying to kind of work through that because I am finding myself kind of more concerned and, and, and working a little more uh, than I want. Um, it, It was definitely a little easier as an associate kind of where you just went home and, and just, you know, you worried about like charting, you worried about your patients, obviously, or, you know, worried about growing as a clinician, but from a, from a business, from a business perspective, um, saying that, you know, you, you got to look at your finances, you got to, you know, worry about people coming in or, or, you know, do you have, you know, your patients canceling stuff like that. So it's definitely, it's definitely hard to balance. Um, I've been trying to kind of leave all my work until like the girls go to sleep, or I wake up super early to try to get some work done ahead of time. And then when I come home, I'm just home and I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like you said, it's always going to be new adjustments and doing the best that you can. And hopefully once your practice continues to grow, it won't need as much attention, yes, yes. but <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, but, and, and that's, and that's one of the main reasons also, it's just trying to get through this kind of a uh, hard time of, you know, uh, worrying about, you know, people coming in and, and it, it's a weird time. Honestly, I, I can't explain it. I, I was a lot more relaxed before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, it came with a lot of, um, a lot of different stresses that I, you know, I, I wasn't ready for. That kind of leads into one of the next things I was going to ask, but what's something that you wish you knew about practicing or practice ownership more specifically before you got into it? Um, I, you know, I, I wish I knew, you know, more, I, I wish we would have got a better course or, or better courses in dental school about the business part of it. You know, I've always been in business, uh, even before dental school. Uh, but it, it's definitely 
a lot different. You know, I, I, I wish I knew more about insurances and, um, and like how to, how to, how to deal with insurance because insurance itself is, is a headache. Um, I wish we would have had something in dental school that kind of taught us more of an insurance and, and uh, a, a practice management. I know we did like one course, um, but I, I don't think it was, it was really um, uh, concentrated on as much as needed, especially if you're, if you're ambitious enough to want to get out and own your own practice right away. Yeah, you mentioned something there about the insurances, and you also talked about how you were trying to move away from doing as many Medicaid procedures once you got your current practice. How did you go about navigating which insurances you were going to accept and kind of transitioning that patient base? So at, at first, you, you want to get credited. You, 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 know, you want to start working. So when you first buy an office, what's going to happen, or when you first start working as an associate, you're not going to be, you're not going to get paid right away. You're not going to get paid by insurance right away. They, it, uh, you have to get accredited with every insurance and that happens for every office you go into, even though you just got accredited for say Delta and, and, you know, Royal Oak and another office, you know, somewhere else in another city, you're going to have to get accredited again. So every office you walk into, that that uh, process starts over. So when I first got in here, I was just getting accredited for everything that the office took. Because, you know, in the beginning, you want to keep things the same, you really don't want to change too much uh, with your office, uh, for staff base and for uh, insurance wise, just because you, you want to keep that flow going. And then obviously, after now, I'm learning, you know, the best way to do it is honestly to uh, hire a negotiator, hire, hire someone that will accredit you, that will um, get you through insurance, uh, but in their way, in a negotiation way where they actually know where to put you and what pathway to take. It's very complicated, but in the beginning, we didn't know all that. None of the guys even in my group knew that, but now we're all, we all hired a negotiator to go back and redo all our insurance pretty much just because the insurance wants to find a way to uh, pay you the cheapest way. So whatever pathway they take, they're going to find the cheapest way to pay you. So you can guide those pathways where they can't pay you uh, at a certain fee schedule. So now we're learning more about insurance, but in the beginning, I, I didn't know any of this. So I, I definitely was with every insurance. And now that I'm learning, okay, this insurance doesn't pay on time, or this insurance doesn't do what I want it to do. So we're kind of starting to have to drop some of these insurances and kind of concentrate on a few that actually, you know, want to work with the provider. And these negotiators, are they lawyers? Or are they like other practice managers no, there's like companies okay yeah yeah they're they're companies like there's something called like unlock the ppo the company i'm working with right now is called strategic uh, strategic solutions and what they do is um they go in there and they look through your insurance and they kind of break down where what fee schedules being 
put where and and they can take out a fee schedule, put you in a different fee schedule. So it's kind of cool. Um, I would actually recommend this for anybody buying it before they even buy the office to talk to one of these companies and uh, have them do the work. It's a little pricey, but it's 100% worth it because now that I'm going through it later on in the process, they got to take you out of insurance, put you back in insurance. So it's kind of of a, of a process. But if you do it from the beginning where you have this company kind of run your insurance from the beginning, it's not that hard. They know exactly where they want to put you. So they'll put you right there without having to take you out of anything or put you back in anything. So it is kind of cool that I'm doing this right now, but I wish I would have known this um, uh, before I started the whole uh, uh, insurance process. Yeah. Yeah. That's great because I've heard from some dentists that try to do that negotiation themselves. And I was thinking, I'm like, I have no clue no. how I would manage that. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And not, a, and not a lot of dentists. I mean, I, I did a year of being an associate. I, I still didn't know anything about insurance coming out and none of my friends did either. I mean, we all learn through the process right now, obviously as um, practice owners, but even in, even now I'm still like, okay, now I know a lot more, but there's still more things that I'm still learning of what insurance does and, you know, and how, how to, how they do things. But one big advice I think is the insurance negotiator before you, you, you know, you uh, start that insurance, like accreditation process. And that's something that you would only do as the practice owner, right? Like an associate. Technically not, technically not. Technically you can do it. Like if you, you know, start at this place and um, you, uh, you, you know, you're going to be there, but that's, that's the hard part, right? It's, yeah. You, you don't know you're going to be there for that long, or you don't know if this is your long-term place or not. You might work there for a year or two and, and decide that, hey, this is not going to work for you. So it, it would become pricey if you do it for every uh, associate, like every office you enter. Um, usually the office manager, whoever's working there usually just does it for you. I would probably suggest the best is to do it if if you're thinking about buying a practice and that's it you have the practice locked down you're about to close you start talking to a negotiator right away that is really great advice I didn't know any of that so I appreciate it um I have one last question before we wrap up what would you say has been the most rewarding part of being a dentist so far um are you looking from like a a, a patient perspective like a practice perspective or what kind of Honestly, whatever came to mind when you maybe heard the question. <laughs> um, honestly, I, the most rewarding to me is, is kind of is, is being able to, you know, go through dental school, graduating and, and being able to kind of open your own business in an aspect where, you know, you, you, you get approved you know, after, after like a year of practice, you'll start getting approved for loans and, and it's rewarding to be able to kind of own your own business and, and practice the way you want, you know, technically you can do whatever you want as a dentist, right? If you, if you want to become, you know, great at endo, 
hey, you're going to take CEs, you're going to do a ton of endo and you're, you know, you'll get good at it. So one of, one of my main things um, that I love about being a general dentist is that, is, hey, I love cosmetic dentistry and I'm going to do whatever it takes to become a good cosmetic dentist. And you can do that as a, as a general dentist. You can just concentrate on those procedures. You can take the CE courses and you can become a good cosmetic dentist. Yeah. That's one of the things so that in reality, yeah. In reality, um, yeah, the most rewarding is just having your own freedom and then being able to kind of, if you're ambitious enough to, Hey, get out and buy a practice. I might, you know, might not be the smartest thing to do for you. You know, if, if not saying you in general, but say for someone that is not ready to take that on, but if you are ready to take that on, you can do that. And that's, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. I think that's something that's always excited me is like the opportunities and different things you can do, or you can like hone in on a few things that you really like. Yes. So before we wrap up, do you have any final message or final advice you want to give to dental students listening to this podcast? Um, I want to say uh, to the dental students, just, you know, get through dental school, you, you know, um, do your best, try to learn as much as you can, but it's okay. When you get out, you're going to learn a lot in the first six months. You are, you know, you're going to find out things that you might like about dentistry. You might not like about dentistry, you know, just be patient and, um, you know, dental school is just really a short time of your life compared to, you know, the career you have ahead. And um, just don't worry. And, you know, just go with it and, and learn as much as you can and you'll be fine. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for your time today. I feel like I learned so much and very appreciative to have you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad you called me. All right, that is the end of this week's episode. Next week, we'll be joined with Madison. She is a longtime dental assistant. After high school, she became a dental assistant, worked for several years to figure out if she really wanted to be in the dental field at all because she'd always been interested in it. So we get her advice on kind of the options if you know you're interested in dentistry, but you don't want to make the plunge into undergrad, dental school, all of those things because it is pretty expensive. And now she has came full circle and decided, yes, she wants to be a dentist. So she's starting up her undergrad classes and then eventually going to apply to dental school. So that episode will be posted next week. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode and I'll talk to you next Monday.